Hello and welcome to the second day of my 13th year of working here at Denver 7 News. I am the now 12-year veteran traffic anchor of Denver 7, Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters, and we have a poster downstairs that has a picture of young Jason Luber and young Mitch Jelniker from the last time. They were the number one morning show in Denver, which is every day in my heart, but I can't tell you what exact year this poster we, is from. We do? Yeah, I, we I, do. Uh, did I miss this poster coming into work this morning? It's not hanging up on the wall. Oh. It's in the tape library. In the tape library. It's Where just, is that? Yeah. <laughs> where is it? Just south of the uh, Denver 7 Gymnasio. Oh, where's that? Is that are we talking the basement? <laughs> yes, the basement. Oh, okay. Maybe I should go to the the basement's a scary place in this building. Scary place. It's true. They have woodworking tools. I think uh there there have been axe murderers down there. There could absolutely be a murderer hiding down there and none of us would ever be the wiser. No. So I know I I'd like to see that poster. Yeah. I am ready to go see I'm going to go leave here right after the podcast. And go see the poster. You know, it's funny. I immediately recognized your face and Mitch's face, but I couldn't tell you if Lisa Hidalgo was on that poster. And I'm sure she was. She probably was, but we probably had a different female anchor because yes. in my 12 years, I think we've had six. So There was an, uh, well, I did not recognize the woman on the all poster. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go see and see which one of the female the anchors. Are, of yes. females. <laughs> I never thought I was actually going to make it this far, actually. None Never. No. <laughs> I thought I was going to be done at be- even before 10 years. That's I, I made it at, ten, at KOA Radio for 10 years. Uh, this job is the longest now that I've ever had. I've worked for this station longer than any other place I've worked for. And they're pretty remarkable at a business where many people only last like two or three years. It's true. Um, and so my contract is up at this time next year. So I guess we'll see what happens then. Don't they usually give you like six months? That is a very public announcement there, Jason. Uh, a, <laughs> well, just keeping everybody updated. What's we appreciate going on. it. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, so we have, uh, I have to start off the show with this inspirational story of survival, Joseph, where a missing Oregon truck driver, he survived for four days lost in the wilderness. He survived without any water, no food, even though he was hauling a trailer filled with potato chips. Never broke into the cargo. Never broke into the cargo. He it, said it wasn't his, and so he couldn't break into it. I mean, if you pop one, you're going to pop all of them. <laughs> well, they weren't Pringles. <laughs> or maybe they were. Uh, it's it, it 22-year-old Jacob Cartwright. Uh, he was driving. He accidentally programmed the wrong destination into his GPS. Then he uh, fixed the address later after he noticed a mistake in it, but that's when the GPS directed him to take a U.S. Forest Service road that started out paved but eventually became impassable. His truck got stuck, his cell phone died, he started walking away from the truck to find his way out of the snowy woods, and it wasn't until he walked nearly 36 miles with no food or water that he flagged down a passing driver who gave him a ride home. He was taken to the hospital, and he's doing just fine. Do you know if Jakob Cartwright has done any press so far? I'm very interested to see what he has to say about the incident beyond that he did not eat any of the potato chips. I'm sure he ate some snow. I just feel like this is an example of millennial ignorance like if he had looked at an actual map (laughs) he would not have ended up on a u.s forest service road he wouldn't have even ended up 
in the wrong was he in the wrong state it feels like he made a lot of bad decisions to yes. get to where and, he and you know up. what and usually the the biggest one because we've talked about a guy who did a similar thing where on his gps he programmed in this road and then he starts driving in his little uh honda whatever it was i believe that's the man who drank his own pee in the state yes. of arizona right 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 I got you man exactly <laughs> and so he's driving on this road and it gets progressively worse at some point he should have just stopped used the reverse lever and gone back or turned around. Either, Either one. way, yeah. So at some point, you got to put it on. Look, guys, you just got to re- go go back to where where whence you came. Not only that, but I think there is value in stopping at a gas station and actually talking to somebody who knows the area. Yeah, that that you that know what I mean. Works. Like I just fi- I just find you get much better advice that way. And speaking of truck drivers, we've talked about the real crisis of not enough truck drivers to fill uh, all the driving jobs. And all the shipments uh, that need to be shipped around the country uh, and that need to go from place to place. Well, I got an email recently from uh, Grondike uh, Transport. They're the, one of the largest trucking companies. I think they're number five, or they're at least in the top five. And they say they're going to start giving out the largest pay increase uh, for drivers in company history so they can attract more drivers. It went to, into effect uh, May 1st. The raise includes a mileage pay increase across the board up to six cents a mile and an average hourly non-revenue rate increase of nine and a half percent for all drivers. In addition, Grundyke's chemical drivers will receive a flat rate increase that will bump up their pay significantly because demand for trucking is on the rise. If, if, uh, if you need a job, this is, this is an industry to really look at. The number of available drivers isn't keeping up. In fact, the American Trucking Association estimates the uh, current driver shortage about 50,000. Yeah. And it, they say it projects to grow by 175,000 in less than 10 years. That's true. Well, it's one of those jobs that, again, millennials don't want to do. And so they just don't do it, and that results in this shortage as people get out of the industry. There's nobody there to replace them. It reminds me of there uh, was some back and forth between Mike Rowe, uh, former you know Dirty Jobs guy, the Dirty Jobs guy, yep. and uh, some other and and some person about, uh, and he was talking about college debt. And his his point basically was there are so many jobs right now um, in the trades that you can go do. And be trained by the employer, usually for free. So therefore, you're not going for two or three or four years to college, getting all that debt, and then going out to look for a job that probably doesn't exist. When you could go work for the trades, get paid to learn that trade, and then make a really nice, comfortable living doing that trade for 20, 30, 40 years. Well, I mean, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but that's what people have lost sight of with college, too, is that you were supposed to go to college so that you could learn a trade that would behoove you in the real world, right? right? And it would be a trade that would earn you more money in the long run than the sorts of trades where you can go straight out of high school and get the free education. And so many people now go to college and they don't view it as a means to an end, a means to a skill set that can make you employable for a long time. They instead view it as a right of passage to the quote-unquote real world that they have no plan for because they're not training for anything specific. There are some jobs with um, some electric utilities right now, like the guys that go out there, especially after a storm and they're, and they're out climbing the poles and they're fixing the wires and doing all that stuff. Yep. They pay really well and they get pensions. And so you put in 20 or 25 years doing that 
And then those guys are going back out into the public world where they're doing some other jobs. And like my father-in-law did, he was a teacher for 30 years, mm-hmm. collecting his his uh, para pension basically from the state of Colorado. And then he went to work at as a teacher at a couple of different private schools as a band instructor. Uh, and now he's collecting Social Security, too. Yeah. So I've seen a lot, of, but that's that's where this is going. The truck drivers, really, it's not a bad job, and they're paying a lot of money for your services. Exactly. Did you know, Joseph, that New York City, they're having a problem with drivers knocking down their new traffic safety pylons like their bowling pins? Now I know. <laughs> the New York City Department of Transportation, they had to replace about 2,500 of these poles at a cost of $261,000. All but one in a row of six just installed at 3rd Avenue and 14th Street in Manhattan were gone a month later. And two of the replacements were toppled within a week. Dented posts or ones that have been nearly knocked over can be seen all over Manhattan. The traffic pins are supposed to be part of their city's Vision Zero initiative to reduce traffic deaths. But I guess someone or some group of people have it out for these cones. They've decided to mow down the cones. Hashtag mow down the cone. Uh, at, the, at the tender age of 15, my friend had just purchased a car, and our favorite game was to go out and use the passenger side door to knock down traffic cones as we were driving and <laughs> see how many we could knock down in a row. Now, I think these cones are the, the ones that are permanently affixed to the street. That's more of a challenge. Yes. So once you knock those things down, that is more of a challenge. They just they, Apparently, these people just don't like safety. Who does? Who does like safety, except for safety people? All right, Joseph. Uh, We work over here at Denver 7 News. This is the ABC affiliate here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Well, the Legacy Station, across just down the the street, KUSA, they call themselves Nine News. They're the NBC affiliate. Uh, They aired a story with this title, Pedestrian Advocate, CDOT's Message for Distracted Pedestrians, Misses the point. Now, before we talk about the story, I must say, nice job, Steve Stager of Nine News. You stole my partner's moniker. Pedestrian advocate? That's your catchphrase, my friend. That's me. And it has been your catchphrase on this show since day one. This is podcast, I believe, number 73. Yep. And... We've been doing it for about a year and a half now. Yep. This has been your moniker the entire time. Thoughts? Uh, if my nickname was a baby, it would be able to walk by now. And so I don't appreciate this uh, gentleman from Nine News taking Steve it. Steve Stager. I don't. Uh, look, pedestrian advocate, it's a very catchy phrase, right? Any of us could have thought of it. Um, I did. And so. <laughs> I just don't think this is a coincidence. And I, I'm that's so, the thing. I'm so flabbergasted. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think it's a coincidence either. Now, it, obviously, it, it's a phrase that people could use. However, it is a phrase that we have used. Correct. And we promote this show all the time. And other people in the media and other people in the uh, TV stations around here, they're aware of this podcast. Correct. They listen occasionally to the podcast. I mean, we are Denver's only traffic-oriented podcast. We are, I think, the country's basically only traffic and transportation-oriented podcast. And we're the best at it. Of course we are. And so here we go with the pedestrian advocate. Anyway, I I, I was just bugged by it. Oh, yeah. Just really bugged. 
They could have at least given you some kind of credit. Someday. <laughs> of course they won't. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here is the nine news story. It's written in chalk near 100 se- intersections across Denver. Stow your phone before crossing. The latest safety message from CDOT is intended to get people to pull their heads up away from their phones as they walk through a crosswalk. It's written in chalk near 100 intersections across Denver. Stow your phone before crossing. Quote, this is a call to action to both pedestrians and drivers to increase safety on our roadways. Unquote. Said Sam Cole, a spokesman for safety at CDOT. But one pedestrian advocate says the message misses the point. Quote, there's this double standard where we blame the people walking instead of blaming the people operating multi-ton machines with combustible engines and the power to kill people, unquote, said David Sachs, editor of Street Blogs Denver. Dun, dun, dun! The guy with the big words, right? Yes. Multi-ton machines with combustible engines and the power to kill people. I mean, yeah, but it's also a car. The sinister and evil and person-killing cars to blame for non-paying-attention pedestrians walking out into the street and into traffic. Right. Like, 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 yes, we should blame people who drive most of the time for these crashes, but at the same time, like, don't be looking at your phone before you cross the street. It's important to look both ways. I'm not surprised by, by David's thoughts here. Okay. What if people, though, I would want to ask him this question. What if people, though, were walking onto, let's say, with their headphone, with their heads down in their phone, right onto a set of train tracks that go across, let's say, 16th Street in downtown Denver, where the light rail runs. He he, he loves the light rail, but people walk across the light rail tracks because they're at grade. They, they almost get hit all the time over by the convention center. Yes, they do. Um, what what if What if the pedestrian staring straight at his phone walked into a dedicated bus or a dedicated bike lane and then was hit. Um, well, what yeah, I mean, would David then say to that? You know that I walk everywhere, right? Yes. Like, that's my thing. Because that's you why, are the pedestrian advocate. That's why I am the pedestrian advocate. And, like, I, I am somebody who tries to multitask. So, for example, on the walk here to work today, I was looking at my phone trying to sort through my emails while walking. And I almost walked directly into a bicyclist traveling the opposite direction. And it does happen to me, like, I would say at least three times a week where I almost walk into a tree or a person or something because I am looking at my phone and trying to walk at the same time. And that's not a like indicative of some like bad behavior on my part. It's just an example of like humans can't multitask as well as they think they can. And if you're trying to walk from point A to point B and you're going to be crossing streets where there are cars coming, you should probably be focused on that and not whatever's going on on your phone. But unfortunately, we've had a difference of opinion uh, than that of David Sachs since basically we started the show, and here's another example where how dare you blame the pedestrian for their behavior when it's the car's fault. And, and that's such a dicey argument, right? Because there's so many situations where it is the car's fault versus the other right. situations where it's the pedestrian's fault. You don't want to like overgeneralize any of that stuff. But he but, does. But the thing is, is that's exactly what he's doing, is overgeneralizing that it's almost always the car's fault. And that's simply not the case. So the Nine News story continues. Sachs wrote a piece for the Denver Streets blog earlier this week calling CDOT's campaign an imagined safety crisis. Quote, it exists. It happens. People cross the street while looking at their phones. And again, it's hard to compare that on the same level as people surfing the Internet while driving a multi-ton vehicle with a combustible engine. Unquote. Mm. Sachs told Next. 
next to the name of their show at 6 o'clock. Just like you. You have a show at 6 o'clock. You don't call it next. No. We don't We don't have a name for it. No. You have Denver 7 News at Correct. 6 o'clock. So basically, he's saying here, if you're going to be distracted, then it's better to be distracted while you're walking rather than you're driving. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that point because it probably is better to be distracted while you're walking because if you just, like you did, walk into a tree or, or come across a bicyclist, right. that's not as bad as when you're distracted driving a car at 60 miles an hour and then you start drifting into another lane or might crash. It's the difference between a headache and a concussion, right? Yes, most definitely. So, however, it doesn't mean that it's a great idea to be distracted whether you're driving or whether you're walking. So you don't stroll right into traffic, no matter what the traffic is, whether it's a bus or a bike or a train or a car. E- even pedestrians should pay attention, I think. The story continues. Cole disagrees. This is the guy from CDOT we were talking about. Quote, we're not shaming anybody. We're trying to educate people on how to stay safe in order to prevent fatalities on our roadways, unquote. He said, that is what any state department of transportation is created to do. That's what they are there for. They're there to educate people about ways to be safe on the roadways. David doesn't like that CDOT is spending money on it. Sachs said some municipalities are starting to legislate distracted walking. Yet there is little data about how many accidents are caused by distracted pedestrians or how many are hurt in accidents. Quote, it's probably so minuscule compared to the data that actually matters, which are the amount of people actually driving distracted, unquote, Sachs said. Quote, much more effective than drawing a hundred pedestrian guys scolding you for crossing the street would be engineering fixes that actually make drivers go slower so they see people crossing the street, unquote, he said. While that is a fair point. There is one that costs what 150 grand is what we said this pedestrian campaign costs. Uh, eighteen thousand. Okay, and then there's the cost to engineer fixes to the 16th Street Mall to institute more driver slowing devices. Is that the phrase for it? Driver slowing traffic devices, which is a multi-million dollar fix. It, it's it's really it not ludicrous is not is too strong of a word, but it's just ridiculous that. He's putting all the onus on it's the cars and the drivers of those cars. It's their fault for pedestrians acting poorly. But we should talk for a second about CDOT's advertising because it's like, what are we really accomplishing they have to, with but some of this th- stuff? Unfortunately, they get grants from certain places yeah. that then have to be spent on these things. It's not like the grants come in and then they can take that money and go fill a pothole. Unfortunately, some institutions and places will donate money to a state. And that money is specifically designed. So if let's say I have an endowment and I give it to my state and I say, I'm going to give you $20,000, but you have to use this on pedestrian safety. Mm -hmm. And then, therefore, they're using that money on pedestrian safety. It's not like they can then divert the funds into something else. Yeah. And I think like, so I don't know about enough about the advertising world to say how the best way is to keep people from being distracted. But it does seem like there's got to be a better way to educate people than by drawing these chalk men on sidewalks that you're only going to see if you use that given sidewalk at any given time. But they're trying to be creative in that way. Instead of putting up another sign, what they're trying to do is if you're looking at your phone while you're basically looking at the ground, if you see this thing on the ground that is telling you, 
Maybe you should look up because you're just about to cross the street. Or maybe they could have used the money in some of those, let's say, a, a walkway rumble strip. Or, you know, those raised bumps that you see sometimes at a platform for a bus stop or a right. train station. Those are typically for uh, people who have sight impairment. Yep. Um, but maybe you do that and it would r- let people know who are walking that there's a change between where you're walking now on the safe sidewalk to a unsafe road. Now, I'm just spitballing here, but what if the man who tells you to walk or to wait at the crosswalk is also telling you, walk, put your phone away? You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. That, like, yeah. Let's just pay the $18,000 to Alan Roach and let him voice <laughs> that across the city. <laughs> That's a, I, I will uh, send him that message and see if we can get that done. Fantastic. But again here, David is blaming the drivers for hurting somebody walking into traffic. How dare we blame... The hapless pedestrian. It can't be their fault. It just can't be their fault. Oh, no, never the person walking. They can do no wrong. Mm. It's the driver in their gas-guzzling, carbon-emitting, world-warming, death-creating machines that's to blame here. And what makes this story even worse is that the reporter, Steve Steger, from Nine News, never challenges David on any of this, any of the things that he's saying. It's never challenged. Don't good journalists challenge somebody they're interviewing sometimes? I mean, to defend Steger a little bit, like he's presenting a 360 view of the topic, right? So you're interviewing Dave and you're letting Dave's sound speak for itself. And then you're interviewing CDOT and you're letting CDOT speak for itself. And you're kind of leaving it up to the reader to decide which of those two parties they align with. And I do think there are enough people who fall into both buckets that it's fair to do it that way. But he's also putting a government spokesperson against a quote-unquote private citizen with a blog. In fair, That is a blog that is very well informed about uh, issues relating to bicyclists. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. He is definitely that. All right, the story ends this way. The distracted pedestrian portion is only a small fraction of CDOT's recent distracted driving safety campaign. The agency spent $18,000 from safety education grant to pay for the chalked signs. Cole said CDOT could not spend that money on anything other than safety. $18,000. That's what it was. $18,000. Steve never asked how David Sachs from Street Blogs would spend that money to better save the lives of pedestrians. Uh, David did say he wanted engineering fixes that would slow down drivers and possibly uh, like maybe bike or bus lanes or roadblocks or train, whatever the case may be. $18,000 really when it comes to all of it, it really isn't that much money. So when you're looking at at one creative way to spend $18,000 on safety, maybe chalk outlines isn't too bad of an idea. While we're on the topic, here's what I'd do with that $18,000 thousand dollars is i would pay a police officer for three months to write tickets to every truck that parks in a bike lane and every bicyclist that goes dangerously at a red light every bicyclist and pedestrian just have them be really dedicated to the policing of these sorts of issues that are impactful for pedestrians and drivers alike and then you take that revenue that from the tickets and then it's self-sustaining over however many more months over i mean let's be real here over the course of three months you could probably make this is just a ballpark estimate. Two million dollars off of tickets. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of tickets. Still, it's a ballpark. Pedestrian advocate. Honestly, they should have titled this story "Pedestrian Zealot." I wonder if David has ever been somewhere you can't get to on a train or a bus or by foot. 
there are places like that in Denver, and it is not fun to try to get to them. I will say that. But you, you know what it proves, though, that the staff over there at Channel Nine are avid listeners to our podcast here, and we and we welcome them. Frankly, we welcome all stations, all peoples, to enjoy this podcast as it comes out. We do. We we you know, if they want to steal our monikers or our story ideas, go ahead. That's fine. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, isn't it? Yeah, just look at CBS's new 6.30 show. Yeah. I'd like to see Amelia try her hand at a transportation podcast, or even a Facebook Live broadcast where she has to answer transportation questions right off the top of her head like I do. I'd like to see that. See how well that goes. I want to like recreate that scene from Anchorman where everybody's just in a fist fight with weapons. <laughs> That's really my goal with okay. the podcast. That, that could work, too. That could work. Now, wait, look, we're friends. I I did stuff. I worked kind of pseudo for Channel 9 for many, many moons. Um, so I know a lot of the people over there. I'm friends with those people. But still, for them to steal your moniker? <laughs> Bush League is flattery. Coming up, it's graduation season. And if you think your graduation celebration is off to the off the hook... Well, you have not heard this crazy story from across the pond. It will make your mouth drop. All that and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. Hendrickson, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. People say, you get up at 2 in the morning to do this? You must get used to that by now. No. We hate getting up at 2 in the morning. We hate being here at 3 a.m., except we like our jobs, and we like the people we're working with, and we have a lot of fun. We should probably sell tickets to the show during the commercial break. We couldn't air all that material, could we? But it's still a lot of fun. And we're just committed to making sure that, you know, you get your, you started off on your day correctly. So it's worth it to us to get in here before the sun even comes up to put it all together for you. Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. Hello, I'm Nicole Brady, and I think everyone should watch Denver 7 in the mornings. We have the most breaking news of any station. Uh, my job is devoted to finding the newest uh, information on breaking news stories all over the world here in Colorado and nationwide. Uh, so we like to keep you updated with new information all morning. It's more than just news, but if you do want the most up-to-date news plus uh, some lightheartedness in the morning uh, to get you out the door. Definitely watch Denver 7. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, now heard on podcast apps everywhere, but also now, Joseph, maybe you didn't know this, also, we can be heard now on YouTube. Oh, that's beautiful. You like that? I get, YouTube is the most popular platform out there. All you'll just see, though, is an image of the show uh, and, and as the video, but you'll be able to listen to the audio of each episode. See, this is where Eddie, the editor, he used to work in the morning as our glide cam operator. He does that for the uh, Mile High Living show. He says he listens to a lot of podcasts, but he listens to them on YouTube, which I, which I was surprised about. 
I didn't know that there were a lot of podcasts on YouTube. Important to note that if you are watching on YouTube, you will see the podcast art with Jason's face on it, not mine. Give me a picture and I'll throw it on there. How's that? <laughs> That'll work for me. That'll work. I'll just put, I'll put some random pictures of you. Actually, that's just wait till later today when you see the YouTube broadcast here of the podcast. Actually, just a slideshow of pictures. You will of me. see. Yes, you certainly will. Uh, anyway, you think your graduation gets out of hand? Well, it's nothing compared to the age-old Norwegian tradition currently being blasted by the government for being a danger to motorists. High school students have been asked to refrain from not just running around naked across bridges during the graduation celebrations, but also to ho- stop having sex on roundabouts. All of this is good advice. <laughs> Norway's National Transportation Regulator issued a statement ahead of the annual booze-aided post-graduation period. The public roads manager said everyone understands that being in and around roundabouts is a traffic hazard. It may not be as dangerous for someone to be without clothes on a bridge, but drivers can get much too much of a surprise and completely forget that they're driving if they see people having sex in a roundabout. <laughs> oh, apparently there was a challenge that was put out on social media in which a prize would be awarded to the student who was the first to have protected sex on three different roundabouts there in Norway. Also during these graduation festivities, students will dress up in colored overalls and hire matching vans in which to travel around the local towns, causing all kinds of havoc. What is going on in Norway? Well, that's all they got. What? It's <laughs> what Norway. Is this it's, it's spring, and so they're 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 coming out of the houses and the and the ski lodges and the ski jumping facilities. Uh, the police, though, say sadly, scores of accidents, many involving those vans and the students driving them, are reported each year. I thought it was I, I was a bit mischievous when we would drive around and uh, throw water balloons at people who are riding bikes or, or running from a car. Uh, but that was nothing compared compared to this. No, I would agree. Yours is just mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we were dumb, and we were in, in high school, and we were, and, and you know, so there, there, that's what we had that. There you go. That, that's, what, that's what we thought was fun in high school. <sighs> this Ameri- explains why you're so mad at the streets block. <laughs> you would have been throwing water bo- balloons I would have been throwing water balloons at him. In high school. Uh, Americans who have been buying cars from the same mom-and-pop dealerships for generations, you see a lot of those on South Broadway, well, they could be greeted by a different kind of for sale sign the next time they visit. Not a sign on the cars, but a sign on the property. Because many small to mid-sized dealer groups are selling their businesses to the auto retail giants or some investment firms. Because the trend is really picking up across the country. They're blaming the eventual takeover of shared and autonomous vehicles reshaping the car business. So right now, about a 1,000 dealerships have changed hands, and that's just in the last three years. Many of those dealers who have sold out or, or will soon sell, they say they're selling because of the shrinking margins with selling either used cars or even new cars, and then increasing competition from the companies that didn't exist a decade ago, like Uber and Lyft and uh, all the other ride shares and all the other ways you can get around. So the internet has made car prices more transparent for customers. Um, we had that True Price or what is that Price app? The one, the uh, True Cost, True Price. You, well, you've got a bunch of them, right? Yeah, and I all think those I ones. think so. My generation, personally, if I go in and I'm going to purchase a car, 
we don't need to talk about the price. Like, no, you I've, already have it out there. That's just it. Like we we are either going to do it for this price or we're not we're not having a conversation. Exactly. So it's really enabled online purchases of used cars and new cars to really go mainstream. And the margins for both new and used cars are way down. So another future issue for dealerships is that electric cars, they need less maintenance than gas-powered cars. I can tell you that from my Volt. My, the first maintenance that I really need to get on it is uh, 45,000 miles, which I'm coming up on. And so you don't need the same maintenance that you do for these regular gas-powered cars because they don't have an engine or a transmission. And that cuts into the monster revenue that dealers are making from their service departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and way down the line, many analysts foresee a time when we'll choose actually not to own a car. There's a lot of people already in big metropolitan areas, New York City obviously is one of them, where people don't own a car. It's Instead, they rely on, on taxis or ride share or, or public transportation. I mean, we don't have to look further than our own backyard, man. I mean, I am an example of somebody in Denver that does not own a car. And it's a very easy thing to do if you live in the downtown area where you're not traveling more than five miles on a regular basis. I mean, really, dealerships and these small ones, mom and pop shops, could eventually be either new development or a place to house charging stations for autonomous vehicles that will then need to be charged and and stored somewhere while they're not being in use. Well, I think you're seeing this right now in parts of Denver. West Colfax is the one that I think about with the dealerships where the ones that are still out there, great. You know what I mean? Best of luck to you. But at a certain point, the value of that real estate is going to far eclipse the value of continuing to run a business on that real estate. And so what what you're already starting to see is that neighborhood the motels are moving out and they're being replaced by these large-scale developments and i think the dealerships are next because they take up so much real estate and because you can do so much with it if you if you do sell to a developer exactly and so that i could see a lot of those going away five years ten years maybe sooner yeah south broadway is going to look so much different and since i know how much you like lists i do (laughs) that's that's a fact here is a list for you we always talk about the places with the worst commutes that, that's negative, right? We, we aim to be positive here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. So here I have for you the 10 states with the lowest commute times in the nation. At number 10 is Arkansas with the average work commute time at 21.2 minutes, which surprises me, but they have a pretty big city in Little Rock, so I could see maybe... Is this round trip or one way? Uh, I, it doesn't say if it was round. I believe it's one way. Okay. That feels like a long time to be driving in Arkansas. Yeah. Well, maybe in Little Rock, it takes a little bit of okay. time to go through some of the traffic lights. Number nine is Idaho with a work commute of 20.9 minutes. They say that Idaho actually has one of the lowest rates of public transportation use in the country. That sounds right. I mean, Boise seems like a city where a lot of people own cars, and yep. Boise is a city going through the same sorts of growing pains as Denver is right now, although on a smaller scale. Number eight, Kansas at 19.4 minutes. There's really no huge cities. Uh, people, I think, commute from Kansas to Kansas City in the Missouri side. Due respect to the 10 states on this list, but this is basically just a list of states where there's nothing happening. Well, that's basically what's happened. Because, look, number seven is Iowa at 19 minutes. Mm. And Iowa ranks in the top 10 for road quality and commute time, but the quality of their bridges is actually worst in the nation. <laughs> number six is Nebraska at 18.6 minutes. Box Butte County in Nebraska. This just gives me a chance to say Box Butte. Box Butte. Uh, it, it's the home of the town of Alliance. They said they are. They 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 are. It is said that they have the average commute time of eleven minutes. 
the lowest in that county. Wow. In the entire state. I think that's what it takes to really maybe just drive across the whole county, and that's why they say it's so easy to get around Alliance. Anyway, number five is Alaska at 18 average commute time minutes. Is that by riding a walrus, or is that just... <laughs> I, don't, do they have, I don't think they have walruses there in Alaska. You know, Polar we, bears? Sometimes we get our marine mammals mixed up. It's all we good. might. We, yes, we might. Uh, but I would think it would be longer than that. But, uh, but, but again, I think Juneau, maybe, or Anchorage, maybe that's what they're talking about mm-hmm. in some of the bigger cities there. Uh, number four, Montana at 17.5 minutes. And Montana ranks eighth overall for transportation, which includes bridge quality, public transit use, and road quality. Number three, North Dakota at 17.4 minutes. North Dakota ranks second nationally for road quality. Number two, our neighbor to the north, Wyoming, at 16.9 minutes. Wyoming is third in the nation for road quality. They have some interesting pavement colors, by the way. You can read all about it. I have a story about it in my Driving You Crazy section on the DenverChannel.com. Check it out. Uh, and, and why they have different road colors there in Wyoming. But there's really, what, 60,000 people that live in the entire state? And so with Laramie or Cheyenne being the biggest cities, it's really it takes 15 minutes to get across the town. I mean, it's really right. not much going on there. And the number one state with the lowest average commute time is, drum roll please, South Dakota, with the average commute time of 16.6 minutes, unless you're going through Rapid City in the summer while all the motorcyclists are there. Don't do that unless you're on a motorcycle yourself. It is, it is tough to go through Rapid City or into um, the areas right around Mount Rushmore. Agreed. There is nothing like seeing how many Bud Lights you can drink while you're riding a motorcycle through Rapid <laughs> City during Bike Week, though. One commonality, as you pointed out, of all these states, no one really wants to live there except for maybe Idaho. <laughs> right? I mean, we don't need to throw all those states under the bus like that. But I do like my. I would like to go to Montana. I would like to visit Montana. I yes. agree with that. And I want to leave you with this. Most times when there's a conflict of traffic, drivers, they flash their finger or maybe even their whole fist at each other. Or a gun. Or a gun. It's, it's uncivilized. Mm. It's not very nice. It's not sweet. As my as my uh, daughters used to say, it's not sweet. It's not nice. It's not princessy. Am I saying princessy? I think right? you nailed it. Yeah, okay. that's good stuff. The other day in Houston, Marco Sanchez said he was stuck in traffic, and there was a driver right next to him trying to merge in. So he said he wanted to make the other driver smile and have a little fun. So Marco decided to challenge this other driver to play a little game of rock paper scissors, and the winner went to get to merge first. Here is what it sounded like. You trying to get in? Straight paper, rock, scissors for it. Paper, rock, scissors. I'll let you in if you win. Come on. Something. Ah, go for it, man. (laughs) 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 Ah, paper, rock, scissors for this guy. (laughs) Oh, no. So there you go. Jason, that, that, we need to report that video to the authorities, man. How many drugs is that man on? Rock, paper, scissors to merge in. Isn't that funny? Well, I don't think they have uh, legal pot there in Texas yet, do they? It doesn't mean that he couldn't have driven here and gotten it <laughs> driven it back. Right. The way he slurred his words, I'm not sure it's pot. But. The, uh, but the other driver won, so Marco let that guy in. And he said he appreciated the other driver going along with that game. He, that video has been seen 
hundreds of thousands of times. Oh, I'm sure. It's been shared everywhere now. It's all over the place. But it's also nice to see two people getting along in that fun way rather than shooting each other and uh, then merging that way. Mm. Right? I mean, everything's more fun when you're wasted, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> So there you have it. There you have it. That's another podcast in the books, Joseph. We are we are into the seventies now with the podcast episodes, and I, and I couldn't be more proud of the show. I mean, a year and a half, a year and a half of our super relevant podcast. It's, it's really amazing, isn't it? Anyway, well, thanks again for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can either uh, send a message over to Nine News, and they'll get it back to us, or you can send us a Twitter message directly at Denver Seven Traffic at Joseph Denver Seven on Twitter. And thanks again for being here. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. I'm Peace Advocate Joseph Peters. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.